Welcome to the MTR Network. This is Ro, and I'm joined today by Shanna, and we are discussing one of my festival favorites, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. It hits theater September 2nd, and it also begins streaming on Peacock at the same day and time, I believe. This is a satirical comedy set up in a mockumentary style by first-time director Adama Ebo. And the synopsis is pretty straightforward. In the aftermath of a huge scandal, Trinity Childs, the first lady of a prominent Southern Baptist megachurch, attempts to help her pastor, husband, Lee Curtis Childs, rebuild their congregation. And I really enjoyed this during the festival. I think it's a brand of satire and humor and absurdistness that's not frequently done. I don't think it's going to land for everybody, but I do think it is going to be a definite community movie. Shanna, when did you see this and what did you think? Um, so SF Film, uh, which I am not a member of, but my good friend <laughs> is, did a screening. They're starting to do these fall screenings of um, stuff. And they did a screening of uh, this film last week um, with the Q&A after with uh, Regina and Sterling and the writer, director, producer of the film. Um, Adama Ibo. And yeah, and her sister, her twin sister, Adane Ibo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there, I, look, I was absolutely blown away by how good this is because this is Adama's first film. Mm -hmm. Writer, director, young black woman, I think only about 30 years old. Yeah. And first film. Regina Sterling, Nicole Behari is also in this. She's also in Breaking, which just dropped as well. So, like, if you're going to the movies and you're trying to have, you know, a black-ass double feature, go see Breaking first and then come see this because this will make you laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, <laughs> please, please be advised the order in which to see these movies is Breaking and then Hog for Jesus Save Your Soul. Please do not go from Hog for Jesus Save Your Soul into Breaking. You will not be okay. And we take no responsibility for you at that point in your life. Exactly. Um, I isn't but yeah. this cast is beyond beyond good and then I know we talk a lot because it is satire so a lot of people are going to be talking about the comedy especially Sterling because you do not usually see Sterling ain't ready in for a Sterling. comedy ain't ready for Sterling. Not, you are not ready for Sterling but there's also some really elegant dramatic beats in this film especially from Regina yes and okay, I was being gonna love it. Yeah, I was being a bit <laughs> flippant, so I guess I should give you the actual official synopsis for the movie. It, Regina Hall plays Trinity Childs, proud first lady of a Southern Baptist megachurch, who, together with her husband, Pastor Lee Curtis Child, played by Sterling K. Brown, who once served a congregation of tens of thousands. But in the aftermath of a scandal that forced their church to temporarily close, Trinity and Lee Curtis must reopen and rebuild their congregation to make the biggest comeback that, you know, commodified religion has ever seen. And they take shots in the synopsis. They, they leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say this. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree that this is a, a wonderful, wonderfully cast movie. Nicole Bahari, as you said, Confidence, if you liked Lupin. Uh, no, that's not him. That's Keon Sumter. Mm -mm. Totally different person. Both dark skin. I'm sorry. I only glanced. But yeah, <laughs> leave me alone. You know I'm not right. Austin Crudy, he's kind of a newcomer. Devery Rogers, who's a newcomer. They're, I mean, they, like, I don't know. Well, 
in the grand scheme of things, when you think about the fact that the producers, one of the producers on this movie is Jordan Peele, uh, Daniel Kuya mm-hmm. put money in, so he's an executive producer. Sterling and Regina both put their money behind this project, plus a lot of other people whose names you may not know really well, but it speaks highly that they had faith in the Ebo sisters, it behind yes. the camera and in front of the camera. Um Adama both directed and wrote. So her sister, you know, that's some ride or die love. Yeah, I'll produce you. Don't mess up. <laughs> that, that's some faith in your family. But um, yeah, I saw this during its uh, festival run. I rearranged everything as soon as I realized they were going to make it to where we could have access to this. And I have been nagging Chris and Phenom incessantly. Every time you turn around, I have asked them. So, did y'all get the invite to go see Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul? I, I want to, <laughs> every time. And I still have some festival chats that'll probably come out on the main feed for stuff that I saw that we can talk about. Just because, you know, I was the only one who really got to go in person. And I did a couple of interviews with some local critics that I know. So, we talked about a whole bunch of things. But I realized afterwards when I was chopping up edits, some of the stuff we talked about felt really kind of spoilerish. So I'm going to do the remainder of like our, our festival wrap up and some of my more festival chaps later now that we're going into the fall and it's closer where people can see these movies themselves. And one of the movies that I just kind of said everybody should see that for is Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul, because I don't think we've ever had a movie that's laughed directly into the face of the um, the evangelical megachurch that black people belong to and recognize yeah, I think it's interesting because um, what is that? Sh- the Righteous Gemstones. Yes. Um, I immediately thought Righteous Gemstones when I saw the trailer. I thought Righteous Gemstones meets every single uh, Shade Room post you've ever read about John Gray. Mm. Like, I really, probably the only thing that is missing from this film is a uh, a scene of them doing an apologetic YouTube video with Regina Hall wearing a bonnet. That was probably the only thing missing from this film. And what we get in place of that is so amazing that you will not be sad that that's the direction they went. It's wild, oh y'all. It's wild. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> but I also... Would... But it's so... It's really, like, they... They did. They hit a, a thing we haven't seen before. We've seen it we've talked about like the white evangelical uh mega church but and we talked about like when you know we made fun of you know the black church and you know baptist church and preachers and all that kind of stuff but this hits somewhere in the middle and and it's the first time we've seen something like this yeah and i do agree with you when you say that it's got some serious um drama beats and performances in here because it's not a lampoon, so it's satirical, but they're not lampooning religion. They're not lampooning faith, but they are definitely lampooning and, and, and going directly at some of the behaviors that become the stereotypes of the pastor and the first lady, the church, the, what it represents in the community. And it also talks about the fragility and honesty and, 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 you know, not to get too deep, but there are a lot of issues that, especially that have to do with the church. Cause every time you turn around lately, 
didn't they just have something where there's a Southern Baptist convention that all got themselves in trouble because of a scandal that came out about yeah. a bunch of the oh, preachers they're, there? They're, yeah, they're finally actually taking action about that, about um, sexual misconduct within the Southern Baptist church. And mm-hmm. it's a big deal, it's, you it's, know? Yeah, it's a huge deal. So for all the time that we all have like the call and response um, behaviors that become a part of our culture, become a part of our lexicon, bleed in and feed, you know, AAVE plus just, you know, regional behaviors that we all get down with. There are some, there are some very serious issues like money. Um, where, where's the money from a church going? How's it being spent? The, the, the not so low key rivalry between pastors and who's got what as which congregation, which people call for their home church, uh, the things that drives people to do, in order to kind of hold on to that, uh, the 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 very very particular stylized code switching that happens between the hyper religious, the hyper uh, involved, and faith, and those separations, and but on a basic level, the chemistry between Regina and Sterling is fantastic, especially yes. when you start talking about a relationship that's in crisis internally and mm-hmm. externally. So if we're not talking about performances for them, it's, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a say some I, things yeah, about some I, people. <laughs> I really do think for Regina, this is an opportunity for her to get some awards. And to be quite honest, like she has, they have uh, misgiven her, her flowers a few times. Uh, Cause I would say between this uh, Black Monday. I mean, she just has so many iconic performances and does not receive the accolades in the same way the person she's often mistaken for, Regina King, um, has gotten. Um, but but she has there's... three projects out in that she's in. Um, oh, always. Two, Whenever two... she's doing something, she has multiple things hitting at the same time. Right. But I mean, specifically this year, there are three separate performances where we should be talking about Regina Hall come award season. Master, mm-hmm. Me Time, and Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul. And mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says. Her, not, like, her, her ability to blend comedy and, and still have it be grounded and have it be nuanced and actually have it be legitimately funny without it taking any pot shots at women that are just unwarranted. Yeah, so in a year, she usually has, like, you're right, I'm looking at her filmography. She usually has one or two projects that came out or that were in the can, and then they drop one at the beginning of the year and they drop one at the end of the year. But this year, she has three projects. She's had a movie for every quarter of the year that we've had so far. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, and, Ms. And about her too or the thing that she said that i found really interesting during the q a is that for this particular role she was like i i really saw my character and sterling's character as at the end of the day they are best friends like they are on the same page yeah and so it's really interesting watching the film or having watched the film with that perspective because I think the way people are going to go into this, they're going to be thinking about like the good wife or something like that, where like the wife has to, you know. Oh, yeah. No, this is not the preacher's wife. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is not like she's not 
there's something about how she's handling it that gives that like but it she's not just eating what or or just taking it or just standing there quietly right she is very active in trying to rebuild their image and trying to rebuild this church and the fact that they did it in this mockumentary style so it it forces the character to always be on stage right to always be performing so let's talk about that for a minute um mockumentaries used to be the way that you kind of got these movies back in like the 90s and they were always weird they were they they had a, sl- a slant on top of a slant that sometimes made you have to go to this really loud bombastic place for the comedic elements to hit and i think that doing this as a mockumentary not only does like what you said makes people have to stay on and stay present i also think it allows the remit for the movie to be a little bit bigger than it ordinarily would be because you know relatively early what the scandal is they're implying happened in their church and the way that they flash between what's now our contemporary present and flashbacks to Sterling K. Brown giving a sermon or something happening in community and some TMZ type archive footage and they blend all that in you get this extra element that comes in when they get the person who's supposed to be doing their documentary of their comeback opening they break the wall between mm-hmm. observer and interviewer. They actively forget themselves. And I think that it's really smart. It opens the door for you not to have to do a whole lot of stuff, but it also puts you in a framework where, where you're not like where she's trying to preach at you. There are no solutions in this movie, bro. None, zero mm-hmm. solutions in this movie. They're not trying to solve anything, but they are talking about some really heavy and kind of some grimy aspects that exist within the community and the culture in a way that allows you to peel back the veneer and look at there and then see what's what's up with these people for real. Like where you said that they were best friends. There are plenty of relationships that live and thrive on there being multiple reasons why you are with somebody. And I think that they do a really good incisive way of mixing things up and talking about what happens when the honesty is what's lost in your relationship because and and when and when you're when you've put what you've built in jeopardy right when somebody has turned all of the gears towards your dream and you're the one who's now done something that puts everything in jeopardy mm-hmm. and you know not to put too fine a point on it they shy away uh the Ebo sisters which kind of feels indicative by who was gathered to put the money behind it for the production. But Adama does not go the way of Tyler Perry. So you get, <laughs> you know what I mean though? You yeah. know, you know what I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you, there's no, easy, there's no easy ending no. or, no. or not neat wrap up. <laughs> or there isn't some overarching figure who wants to stand up and speak and tell you, how you should mm-hmm. be feeling about everything that you saw. And I, and mm-hmm. I, and I, pre- and, and I think that's going to be part of the reason this is one of those movies that's made for us, but everyone's welcome to come. <laughs> uh, and I think that there are going to be significant people who come in as guests who are not going to get the jokes. So they're going to be like, Oh, this doesn't, this feels unwieldy. This doesn't feel like it necessarily works. Or I don't know what, I don't know what the point is. I don't know what you're talking about because they're going to miss the nuances because they get caught up in 
some of the sound and fury that happens around this. But um, any movie that remembers how black people behave in their car when they need to reset mm, them yeah. and recalibrate their mood is a movie that I'm here for. It is totally my jam. <laughs> well, I think it goes back to um, one of the best, uh, I guess, commentaries that I read uh, on Nope was saying somebody saying like Jordan Peele's like masterfulness, I guess, is is not that it, he made a horror movie for Black people, but he just puts Black people in a horror situation and has them react how Black people react. So, like, similarly to this movie, and I think this is probably what appealed to him in terms of, like, releasing this film and, you know, being a part of it, is it's the same thing. Like, it's the situation is not unfamiliar but it's like let's have black people in this situation and have them react how black people react right but they also structured the movie so it kind of moves in a way that feels familiar and recognizable but may feel to other people like it doesn't have structure because this movie does not happen in a purely linear fashion but there is a structure here and it kind of goes through it feels a little like it's following the stages of grief, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's easy to miss that. Like if, if you are looking at, if you were expecting something like going to be more of a mockumentary, that's going to be more along the lines of don't look up or not. Okay. Or those kinds of dark satires, this is not going to be your bag because this does lean into a lighter place because again, I think I've said it so much this year that maybe somebody should just get me a mug that when the choice is laugh or cry, most black people choose to laugh. Because once we start crying, we can't stop. <laughs> and then that leads to anger. And if you see an angry, if you see a black person who says they're not sad, but they're crying, you should run. And this movie threads that needle. Like, because, like, in the place of those, like I was saying, those kind of preachy moments where you get through the Medea character, and there isn't one in this movie, thankfully. Um, and I'm not bagging that particular format. I'm just saying, you get really phenomenal monologues. You get really really intense moments and then something will turn around and be absolutely and completely ridiculous and it happens on the side of a road and you're like really we what okay i can't be this man's friend mm -mm, i don't love nobody that much but it, <laughs> it, it but it takes you to these certain places so the pace because is a little volatile um some of the quiet parts bleed into a part where you didn't actually expect that they would say the, that thing out loud. And then you realize that they, that isn't actually the point. And you'll get re-enraptured of what's happening on screen. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what prompted them to do this, but I'm very glad that they did. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> um, Go ahead and read my review of the film where I'll be, you know, adding a little bit um, from the Q&A. So you get a little insight from the writer director. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for sure, um, I mean, the writer director is from Atlanta, grew up in a church. It's definitely a commentary on some personal experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, the fact that this was the route and I don't think it's, 
I think most people think when you have something like this, that's like a satire set in a church, that it's really going to be about like people grappling with their relationship with God. And it, it's less about that. Yeah. Like that is the, the background of what's going on in terms of the fact that, you know, all of these people have a certain image to uphold because they are quote unquote godly and church churchly, but it's less about their relationship with God and more about their relationship with each other and what they have given up to project this image. Yeah. It's also about, you know, that last part, what have you given up? You know, it's about sacrifice. A lot of different people say things like, oh, well, I was called to do this work or, you know, this is, this is my calling or this is what, this is what moves me. And I, and I feel it deeply in my soul, but we don't, we don't necessarily always talk about the ways that if you want to move, especially in Western society in the United States, there are certain things that you can get boxed into when you're like supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you can make mistakes about what you think you have to have and what you think you have to do and how you think you have to present yourself in order to be, to succeed. Cause when you yeah. find out what it is he used to want to do and, and you learn, um, what the trajectory was that turned them into becoming who they became and why they ended up being so good at it and why it resonated, you realize that this is a stunningly insightful movie that is really, really high bar that's been met for a feature directorial debut. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, I think, I think I, I can't recommend enough that everybody go see this because if you let it, this could be one of the funniest movies you see all year. It'd also be yeah. one of the most interesting dramas you watch all year. And the clothes are fly. I said the clothes were fly and the staging yeah. is great and the locations that they picked, everything comes with this kind of sense of resonance, right? And I, I really just keep going back to you. This is a first time writer, director. That doesn't mean, you know, like completely unexperienced because I think we all know that when we're talking especially about women writers, women directors, that often they have like put in a lot of work before they get opportunities like this. Oh yeah, the first time but... we you've seen her is not the first time she's done anything. Exactly. But just this is some high quality work from any director, let alone somebody who's getting their first opportunity. Right. I I mean, the way that like, there are a couple of things that were awkward, but I feel like it was because that fed into the uncomfortable humor that is driving this story. And there's Mm -hmm. so much emotion that has to be spread out that again, using the mockumentary style opens the door for you to have this silent commentary. Like when I said the fits are fitting, I mean it, but there's a whole (laughs) commentary about church culture that happens and unfolds with respect to that. And when you see how they play it out, if you know anything about uh, how preachers are and how they behave, and sometimes, you know, their austerity um, sermons don't match their lifestyle, it's, (laughs) <laughs> it's some A1 mm-hmm. choices that are made. Um, 
you know, they don't just- Also um, interesting that this is coming out right after Creflo Dollar apparently had his, you know, come to Jesus moment where he decided that this whole prosperity preaching isn't what he should have been doing. I was like this, the irony yeah. of like- I want to know who pulled out right some- op- that. I, Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I want to know who <laughs> pulled out the opposition research to make that happen. Who's got something on yeah. Creflo that make him decide maybe he should chill? But it also comes after that one preacher- who used to go on uh, Instagram live with his uh, wife or girlfriend, whatever, and all the mm-hmm. Carls and stuff, got all his ch- chains and shit snatched. Yep. Uh, yes. Oh my God. That guy was from uh, not like from where I grew up in New York. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, his church is where? And he thought he was going to run around with. <laughs> yeah. He thought that was going to fly. All sorts mm-hmm. Of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you get into all of that and you got it happening camera face and then you realize that that's the backdrop to the marital issues, their friendship, their relationship, you know, impropriety on a grand scale is the kind of thing that makes TMZ. But these are still people who go into a room with their doors closed. And I think some of the most compelling parts of this movie happen in conversations over their bed when they're in bed. And to be able to switch both those gears and to understand not only the world, but to make these two people real and phony all at the same time and to demonstrate the ways in which their realness doesn't serve the the brand they put together for the business that they're in and the commodification of religion doesn't allow them to have room to bring parts of themselves into the room and still do what they do because it's all based on on exclusion and quite you know all of these things are in here and i think that it's really smart because i i'm catholic but i went to two different churches and one of the priests always felt i felt like if he had been in any other life he'd have been a grifter mm-hmm. and i think that's probably why his parents his mom would convince him that he should become part of the priesthood put that little slick shit he had to use for god because otherwise he'd be as Ponzi schemes. But the other guy was just so very sincere and he could never understand why he didn't get the kind of traction that the other person did. And it had a lot to do with the materialistic persona that was built up around things. So you can be honest and you can be down for the cause, but you could also be real superficial about how you think that you need to present yourself to get there. And then your world can come crashing down on your head when, you know, your your secrets decide they want to step outside and start talking to the press. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's I mean it's it's savvy. It's 102 minutes, so it's not too long. It's getting a day and date release, so it'll be in theaters, but it'll also begin streaming on Peacock, uh, Friday the September second for both. I think go see it in theaters. I know it's not a movie that people would say, oh, you have to see this in theaters. But it, it it was something about seeing it in the theater, seeing it um, with other people, especially. I I will say, as somebody who has gone to SF film premieres before, this one was uh, decidedly diverse. <laughs> so there were lots of like black people in my audience, and we cut up. Like oh oh yeah it's no it's it. it's it's a cut up look I it's a cut up movie. Um, I firmly believe that if you, I believe that you, you deserve quality wherever you're watching your movies. So if you are going to the movie theater, this is a hundred percent, 
a great watch on the screen. I've seen it in the movie theater. I've also seen it at home. So if you are not mixing and mingling and you are somewhere where it's not easy for you to get a, a screener where you're not going to have people on top of people, you can still also watch it at home. Get your people together. Watch it. Trust me. You're going to talk about this movie. And it is absolutely 100% a community cut up film. From the like, from the soundtrack choices, oh yeah, <laughs> to uh, an old school walk through the mall. All of it is here. It, I mean, it's convincing. It's magnificent, but the extra bit of shine that you get from Sterling K. Brown as a man in conflict with himself and what he sees as his duty. If we're not talking about this later, I'm going to have some things to say about people. I truly am because everybody says that they want real representation. They want real diversity. You know, Eyes with Tammy Faye was all about Tammy Faye Baker. And Jessica was surprised for her name to pop up in awards. And she actually took home a couple. So if we're going to talk about the diversity of these topics, uh, there shouldn't be a problem with the fact that this is decidedly set in this black Southern Baptist culture. Watch the movie. Be open to it. Take your people. Because all of I, re- I really want church groups to go. Like, oh, I'm going to tell my mom to go with all her churchy friends. <laughs> I am not going to do that because I'm not trying to go to hell. Or field the phone calls after they get back from the screening. But yeah, send your church folks to the movie. I mean, if that's what you really want to do, if you really want to see them go, oh, when certain things happen on screen, it'll happen. <laughs> I mean, this movie skates on thin ice for the whole thing. And and I like it. I liked it a lot. I don't think I will be successful in getting Brandon and Chris to see it simply because, you know, getting to the movies and screeners. But this may be something that pops up on the behind the paywall is a spoiler chatter conversation later in the year once they catch up on things as they are streaming um because it's just i'm sorry i it can't set it and i can't say it enough regina hall and sterling king brown are effortlessly smooth in these the in this performance as this messed up couple (laughs) 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 um it's it's like when it's bad it's uncomfortable and when it's good it's hilarious and everything in the middle could teach you some things or make you confront some things that you probably should have confronted a long time ago especially if you're still churchy so i mean anything else you want to add about this one no i just really want people to go out and see it and and i hope because i remember when the trailer dropped i feel like people saw it and were excited for it um, but I also know just like, you know, we're living in this monkey pox economy. So you never know <laughs> if people are actually going to get out and go and, and do the thing. So right. But that's why I really, can, yeah, but that's, but that's why I really wanted to stress that this is also a movie that's doing day and date. So if you're not going out, log into somebody's peacock, give this your stream <laughs> because those numbers count too. And the reality of the situation is I feel like the more that we start rewarding the quality that shows up on streaming, especially when it's something Mm -hmm. that gets bought out of a film festival and they decide to give it a a limited 
Because wide release doesn't really mean wide release anymore. That could mean that your movie's in the movie theater for a week and a half, and then you chase them to try to find it because they start pulling Mr. it. Mr. Malcolm's List. Thank Mr. you. Mr. Malcolm's List. That's another movie that we will have to get together to talk about because I demand to be wooed. <laughs> I want to be wooed. but <laughs> And it's all that movie's fault. <laughs> but... um. Uh, we'll circle back and we'll do a review for you from Mr. Malcolm's List because you can rent it on VOD and it's showing up other places and it is absolutely 100% across the board one of my favorite period pieces in the last five years and it's definitely in my top 20 for movies this year. But with respect to Hong for Jesus, Save Your Soul, keep in mind the more we participate in rewarding movies that are sent to streaming, the more they will understand that quality will get appreciated if you make it to where people can get to it. And if you're not going to the movie theaters, but you're streaming movies at home, Hong for Jesus and Save Your Soul needs to be on your radar. If you don't, and I'm serious, get your hands on somebody's password, log in. They didn't get, I mean, <laughs> just give them the stream. It's cool. I have Peacock. So do I. So if, if, you, if you have Comcast also, I, I don't know if they're still doing this, but I know I found out that when I logged into Peacock, with my Comcast, I was able to get, you know, like premium Peacock. So I'm just letting people know. Some people didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah, take, adva take advantage of the things that are now coming bundled in with all of the different services that you are already paying for. And the more we use them and the more we show them that we are here and we like these things and we like them to be a mix of all the different types of stuff we like, not just reality-based TV. If you want scripted fiction, to, to survive, we have to support it. And they are really, really coming for projects that are majority cast, non-white. And I don't, I mean, I don't think we need to explain to anybody why we're the first thing on the chopping block, but we are getting quality this year and we need to show up for the quality that we are getting. And it is all over the place. Um, I may... You know, I may we might have to put out some where to find some good shit lists, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I'll be pulling the the content that we had for the festival and putting it in. And um, Shanna has some stuff from the Q and A she attended. So again, we appreciate your support on the podcast. We also hope you would give us some clicks on the website because all of those things add up to us being able to get and continue to have access so we can see all the different projects to tell you which ones are worth you I don't know maybe risking it all although Shanna you be living in a theater I, I, I know you I I look I restarted my AMC list last summer um, and have not gone back I, I go to the movies probably once a week if not one, like every two weeks if I'm busy that's fair I don't leave my house. Well, I do leave my house, but if I don't have to leave my house and go around people, I don't. I think maybe I was good for a while, and then San Diego reminded me that San Diego is quite interesting, and <laughs> um, and the the reckless way in which people like to move, not really something I'm down for right now. And I've gotten knock on wood really lucky so far, so I'm trying to keep it that way. But however you live in, however you rolling, honk for Jesus, save your soul drops in theaters and on Peacock September 2nd, 2022. And we absolutely recommend that you go and see it. You recommend it to what number, Shanna, if you had to give it a rating? Um, I definitely give this like a nine. I, I mean, I laughed, I, you know, I, I, 
you know, I'm sorry, you can't see me. This is a podcast. I like gave it like a, <laughs> like a, a stern, like fish shake every single time Regina was getting hers. Like, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I had me nod my head. I cackled a couple times. I, I, I got a good giggle for me. This was an eight. Um, later in the year, you will see the movie that made this movie not be able to be a nine for me because it's about to come out too. Like I said, we are blessed and highly favored in the movie category. So um, let's see. We have a lot of stuff that's coming up on the MTR network. Honk for Jesus will just be the first thing we put out for September. It's We're looking kind of stacked. We're also going to be increasing our coverage for television because I don't sleep anymore and I've started watching TV shows. So we're going to talk about it. And Shannon don't know that yet, but I'm a bugger. <laughs> She's going to come talk to me about some stuff. Bug Deepom too, because that's fun. I have a conversation with Deepom where we talked about the George Carlin documentary that was on HBO coming out. And that'll be out early next week or sometime next week. It'll be out the first week of September. So thank you for listening to CMTR Network. Be sure to be subscribed to be a premium subscriber because we have all sorts of good stuff going on behind the paywall, especially if you like to hear our Disney show coverage because Disney Plus is paywalled. Only the first hit was free, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and we're covering it until the wheels fall off. You know how we do. Uh, thank you for joining me, Shannon. I'll holler at you later.